the best way to grow in my mind is to get as small as possible and make a big problem as small as you can. And so we run campaigns at a very granular level where we will um, I put into our CRM, um, our uh, a mapping feature. So we will draw a 50 mile radius around any of our customers after they've been a customer for six months. And the systems that are within a 50 mile radius, we'll start talking to them about the person that they know within a 50 mile radius. And it, it takes a lot of work for us to do that. It takes more time to set up, but it keeps us from simply treating everybody like they're the same. And it lets us say, hey, what makes this place unique? The state has unique features. The system size has unique features. And so we need to talk we need to be as relevant as possible. Welcome to What Are We Talking About? A podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. All right, what are we talking about, listeners? Today, we have another exciting episode coming your way. This time, it is with a longtime friend of mine, Isaac Pellerin. He's the VP of Marketing at 120 Water, and he is, in many ways, the creative mind behind a lot of what 120 has done over the last handful of years that have made a big splash in the water industry. So we're excited to talk to you today, Isaac, and thanks again for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jim and uh, and Adam. Yeah, and I got to know Isaac through uh, 120 Water. One of our first guests was uh, Megan Glover, and uh, we really were intrigued by the things she was doing. And so um, we were really happy to have the VP of marketing that uh, she credited with a lot of the things that have been done at 120 Water. And Isaac, one of the things we really like to do with our guests is kind of find out um, what they were doing before they got into the water space. You know, what informed you to do the things you're doing around water um, that that really led you to uh, to to do this kind of creative uh, marketing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks again so much for this time. I uh, I really my journey really started uh, you know back in college. I studied computer science and computer graphic arts. Uh, when I graduated, I took a detour from that and um, uh, got involved with a church that was starting in a community that needed. Uh, was really a rural community, needed a lot of um, resources and things like that. So we did a lot of community development and um, really went from about eight folks to about 400 in, in five years. And um, and that was a big part of my experience. When I got to the end of that of my career there, I wanted to go back into technology, software, and ended up at a company called Compendium. It was blogging software and Megan was actually my my boss. <laughs> and then from there, I was at a couple tech startups in the marketing and sales space, learned a lot of the mechanics of how a cloud-based business works. And when Megan started 120, um, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, this seems really cool. And it uh, 
it really aligned my passion. Once I, once she brought me on board, I went to my first um, water show and I met water operators and it reminded me of what I loved about the, the working in, in a church and community development. I saw water operators as servant leaders, people who care about their place. They see themselves as anchors of their community. And, um, and I was like, I want to put everything that I've learned about technology to help this. These are the people I want to deploy that we can do a lot with sales and marketing technology, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. <laughs> but if we can create tools that make their lives better, then um, I think the impact of that will be meaningful for me. And it's turned out to be true. <laughs> Isaac, you mentioned the word place in that response. And that is one of the things that we talked quite a bit about during the prep call. So I'd love to hear your take on this concept of place and why it's so important relative to telling stories in the water industry. Yeah. Um, this could, I could talk about this probably for four hours, but the condensed answer is I feel like there's an innate tension with technology that so much of the technology we use is place agnostic or it tries to think about scale, which normalizes normalizes out things that make communities unique and things that people are proud of. And so uh, when I think about place and place making, um, it's super important to me for the 120 Water brand to not... Uh, to honor the fact that we do not know the place of water operator better than that water operator. They know their place. They know what that needs to, what it, what that place needs. Um, we provide some digital things, some, some things that make their lives digital, but we do not replace the knowledge that they have. And place is like, um, I liken it to uh, craft breweries. If I'm traveling or on a plane and I ask someone where they're from, most of their answers say, oh, I'm from this town. It's really cool. We have this budding tech ecosystem and we have craft breweries. And I'm like, place becomes super important. Um, and the, the last thing I'll add there is that um, there's a, there's a writer who I, um, really appreciate. He's a uh, poet as well. His name's Wendell Berry. And he talks a lot about economics of place, especially from an agriculture standpoint, and that a lot of our economic models don't account for what we extract from the place. And, um, and I kind of have held on to that for a long time and entering into water. I was like, I want to make sure that we honor the people who make their places work. And yeah. I've just kind of anchored that as a principle and um, have tried to carry that through our brand. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we talked about this, uh, Isaac, about place and about positioning your brand around that. Can you give us some more, some examples of how you've done that with 120 water where you position the brand around the place that, you know, you're looking at uh, selling into? Yeah. So, one of the biggest things that I think is important from a go-to-market standpoint is that when you hire a sales team, uh, I think of sellers as 
they are a medium and the a medium that delivers a message um for a while we experimented with having sellers who sold to uh, large systems and those who sold to small systems like uh systems under 25,000 connections um didn't seem to be working incredibly well and so we uh we started realigning our sales team to work in specific states. And now we're doing that with our account management team as well. And what that does is that lets them align with, again, the place and align with the people who know their place and know they have good relationships with uh, the, the regulators, with the state revolving fund loan officers, with the large systems, with the rural water uh, systems. And so we've worked really hard to uh, the best way to grow in my mind is to get as small as possible and make a big problem as small as you can. And so we run campaigns at a very granular level where we will, um, I put into our CRM, um, our, uh, a mapping feature. So we will draw a 50 mile radius around any of our customers after they've been a customer for six months. And the systems that are within a 50 mile radius, we'll start talking to them about the person that they know within a 50 mile radius. And it, it takes a lot of work for us to do that. It takes more time to set up, but it keeps us from simply treating everybody like they're the same. And it lets us say, Hey, what makes this place unique? The state has unique features. The system size has unique features. And so we need to talk, we need to be as relevant as possible. Um, and um, I tell our team a lot, there's a another quote I bring into, into our principles when it comes to marketing. It's from Mother Teresa that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so we have to always do the work upfront to care about the place and everything that makes it there. So at a state level, that's what we do. And so our team has gotten, has become incredibly aware of the uniqueness of the states that are in their territory. One of the components around telling this, this story to, to, or with, you know, the, the, we'll call the utility in this case is that you mentioned this ecosystem that's around them. So you have the regulators, you have operators, you have local news media, whoever that is that they're engaged with, there's an ecosystem. And you have talked to us previously about how you help them tell a story to their stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that process and how you think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we have, you know, seven years ago when 120 started, um, just starting to get our first few customers, it always takes a, a ton of effort to get your first first few customers. Um, but one of our first customers was the state of Indiana to uh, run their lead sampling in schools and daycares for um, for the entire state. Um, and and we started recognizing that there's a relationship between what the public wants to know. The public wants transparency about water quality. Regulators want have to hold utilities accountable to these standards. And um, what we're starting to see now, like 
you know, six years in development is um, we have uh, new regulation in the lead and copper rule revisions. And we're getting at this point, we have four states that are going to use our platform to manage the relationship between regulators and utilities. And then utilities have the tool to publicly communicate and make that data available to residents. And so I think we're on the verge of a powerful transition and transformation in what it means to tie those entities all the way from the regulator to the public with the utility in the middle, that when we have the right data flowing between those, we can, uh, the states and the regulators at the state level have the data they need to deploy the resources and the funding needed. And that helps them get that data back to the federal EPA, um, which feeds back into the cycle of we need more money to, to do, to fix the infrastructure. Um, and we can't tell that we can tell that story in a lot of ways, but data tells a really powerful story when you get, when you get all the way up to congressional level and where all those other things get discussed. Um, so, um, yeah, and it can be hard. The challenge for states is to get for a state regulator is how do you get a system, a water system to comply with all of this new regulation when 85% of water systems in the U S have three or fewer employees. That means every new regulation is an incredible administrative burden for a system that probably is already under-resourced, doesn't have enough people, <laughs> doesn't have enough money, and is just overwhelmed. Like sometimes in the industry, people talk about like, oh, water operators don't want to do this or that, you know, they're complaining about this. I'm like, I would, I, I have so much respect for anyone who signs up and says on day one, you're probably out of compliance because you don't have enough, like, I have nothing but respect for someone who says, I'm going to take this on. And so I'm like, we have to honor that and we have to find ways to make it better. And so I think our, that translates to our mission at 120 is being like, uh, we can't solve it all, but we can solve parts of it. And hopefully those parts add up to something that makes their day a little bit easier. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals, showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders. Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. One of the things we took away from our interview with Megan was that 120's uh, uh, drive to um, really get involved in their data, right? The deep dive into their data. And and I took, personally, I took it away and, and uh, applied it to, to what we're doing amazing around getting the ability to message to individual groups of people. And you mentioned some of it, you know, the regulators, the utilities. Can you talk a little bit more about how you're segmenting your 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 information and the messaging to that in, to those individuals? Yeah. 
Yeah. So we, um, it's becoming increasingly clear to us, especially when we work in a state like, um, like Indiana or Georgia, where we have a state contract where we're now, uh, in effect, um, an extension of the state in terms of we have every water system. We know who works in every single water system. And so now we can segment the message even in, uh, doing trainings based on system size and bringing the right partner. So every state has a rural water association um, and they're incredible partners with us because they have the most influence and the most, um, the best reputation because rural water systems are members. They trust them with their recommendations. They have this notion of a circuit rider who is a consultant for systems in a quadrant of a state or something like that. So it's like, we have to, we don't have to go out and reinvent a community or, you know, and I think a lot of people try to do that. Like, Oh, let's create a community. It's like, we just need to find where those communities are and say, Hey, we're here to help creating a new one that other, that they have to join. That's just more stuff. So like we try to segment based on like, in this cohort, who's the main influencer? If the main influencer there is the Rural Water Association, great. That's this segment of the market. If it's the private water utilities and the consolidation happening there, we need to have a message and a, a the right product fit for them as well. And then at the state level <laughs> too, we just need uh, we need to show them that we're not only interested in helping them roll out technology to manage compliance, but also technology that helps systems of every size adopt the new legislation and get access to the funds that they need. Isaac, one of my favorite things that 120 has done over the years is develop physical products or goods that tell the story, not necessarily about 120 specifically, but about water and the people inside of the water industry that are meaningful. So Mm -hmm. I'll give, you know, two of my favorite examples, the badass women of water sticker, love it. And then uh, recently a deck of playing cards that had various water influencers faces. Yeah. On each card. Um, Talk to us about the, 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 the impact of a physical good and how you sort of think about these, these concepts and ideas. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I start with the notion that I, especially when I think about going to a conference and every company brings their stuff and um, to put there, I, I kind of go back to this idea that underneath everything that all the ways that we put our suits on and, you know, be become really buttoned up that underneath that we still have our inner child. We still want to be surprised and delighted and kind of, kind of, everything we do is so serious. We have to be able to play with it. And so, um, you know, I have, I do have like the badass woman of water sticker, (laughs) which is, which is, uh, crazy. I didn't know how, how well adopted it would be, but, um, but that really was an idea that started when, um, five years ago when we were at imagine H2O and Megan was pitching for, uh, for their contest and, someone brought up um, who I was standing next to. They're like, Megan's a badass. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of badass women in water. 
And I kind of like stuck in there and I had just gotten done uh, talking with Kathy Bailey, uh, who was uh, with Cincinnati Water, um, who is like an OG badass who just in that conversation, um, she told me something that impacted me that was just, you know, she's she's not out there waiting for the EPA to give a new regulation to say you have to test schools and daycare. She's like, I already know that we need to do that. And uh, so not to sound. Uh, yeah, like it, I really wanted it to come out of an authentic place that like. What can we give people that the badge that they want to have instead of a sticker with our logo on it? Um, who's doing some of the best work? And if I'm really honest, a lot of the women in water um, are some of the ones who take the biggest risks. And I think it's interesting, speaking like of Kathy Bailey, that while we can have a lot of initiatives that say, hey, we need to do a better job with equity and diversity, I find that, that those things kind of come natural when there's uh, a woman in in leadership. I'm like, so, some of those things end up just happening. And so um, I'd seen a sticker. I, I truly borrowed the idea from some another company uh, here in Indianapolis that had badass marketers. And I contacted the designer that made that. I was like, hey, I need one, but I don't want it to have a water drop. And so we kind of played with it. She's like, what if it's like rock on hands? And I was like, perfect. And then launched it at a trade show at Weft Tech. I just made 50. I reached out to a couple um, women to come get them. And then we just started getting tons of people saying, I want one. And I was like, give me your email. We'll mail you one. And um, we've given thousands away now. And when Megan was at an event at the White House, um, someone from the EPA opened up their pad folio and showed her that it was the sticker that they have on the inside. I'm like, like, that's great. I had no expectation of that. Um, and then this year we extended that to say like, let's make playing cards like this um, that have the faces of, we made it a nomination. So um, got over a hundred, like 120 nominations of women in water, what they've done. And, you know, it was like a Friday night and I'm reading these, like just these powerful stories of like how they um, are working to serve the needs of the, um, the hardest hit populations in their, in their cities or their towns, or they're working really hard to make more space for women in water. And um, yeah, I, I think it's important that we, um, do that. So I, I always look for, uh, what's something that's not really about 120 when it comes to what we hand out, but is something that honors the person receiving it. Um, and so, um, we did a similar thing with, um, Lego kits that we send to water directors and, um, yeah, like that, that was one of that was one of my favorites, uh, Isaac. In fact, when we had uh, when we had um, Megan on, she had it on her desk, and we talked about you know that whole idea of using that to really inform. And um, not only was it popular with the 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 people that you sent it to, it was really popular popular with their kids, right? Mm -hmm. And anytime you can get children engaged 
into, you know, this whole concept of the importance of water and how we treat our wastewater. You know, again, it's it's not about 120 water. It's about what what you want to convey out there. So. Uh, like yeah. I said, that's one of my favorites. I think there's a big narrative that we can latch onto there that like, I think sometimes what I've noticed in water, and I know I'm saying this kind of as an outsider coming in, but I appreciate how well I've been embraced, but um, is that we can talk so much about what makes it daunting. Like we know that it's overwhelming. We know that it feels like a test, but the flip side of that narrative is it's incredibly meaningful. And and I really believe this next generation is looking for meaningful work um, more than they are. Um, success is starting to be defined by, is it meaningful? And people want to be part of something meaningful. And that shift, I think, opens up an opportunity for us to bring more, uh, more minds out of high school and going to college. That, like, this is a career that, like, I challenge you to find something really that much more meaningful um, that you can do. You're spot on. And uh, hopefully we didn't just ruin the, the answer to the last question that we're going to be asking you as part of this podcast, because I feel like that could have been a really good, really good airplane banner. So Isaac, if you've heard our podcast before, <clears throat> you yeah. will know I love to ask this question, which is that we have an airplane that we are going to come and pick you up in Indy. And we're going to fly that airplane around the world in front of every water professional and you get a banner on the back of it to speak your truth about the water industry what do you want that banner to say Ooh, yeah i have i have heard that question i honestly didn't didn't pre-think my answer um <laughs> but um but i i think it would align with with what i just said that like um so much that's it. I'm going to try to concise, make it concise, but so much of what we want is to have an impact and, um, life and water equals impact. Like, um, that's oh, I love that. yeah, I love it. you can't yeah. be in water without addressing some of the biggest challenges that we face on our planet and, and with our people. And I'm like, if you like solving problems and you like putting your brain to that, then, life and water equals impact. So. Oh, fantastic. Isaac, this has been great. And we know that our audience will get a lot of value from this conversation. So thanks. Thanks for being our guest. I, I really appreciate this opportunity. 